0: So this is the second-to-last show before a little mini Sportscasters summer vacation. And I guess I will peel back the curtain of the Sportscasters enterprise here a bit. Okay. Generally speaking, I book the shows. G- g- generally yes. speaking. Yeah, generally. <laughs> if I were to hand the reins over to you for the last show before summer break, and you could book two guys to be on the show, or or ladies, or... Well, it's guys or ladies. There's no third option, right? Uh, who would you book next week? I'm just curious. Sports related? Well, I, no, we do stuff
1: besides sports, right? Okay, like so, I would book Eddie Vedder and wow, that's gonna be a tough one. And uh, Nathan Fillion.
0: Nathan? <laughs> wow. I was hoping you'd say someone that I could try for, but I oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know if this is one of those. Either of those, but. I was just curious what you'd say, so because oh. I, I was gonna, I wasn't gonna say anything, and then I was gonna be like, and open next week, guys, was be like, dang, guess what? Oh, I guess who's okay. on the show today? But that's not gonna work. I don't no. think with you Sorry, last guys. <laughs> but um, welcome to the Sports Guys for season three, episode seventeen, June twenty fifth, two thousand and thirteen. Just one day after really the end of summer sports season, right? Because now it's baseball and nothing until training camp opens. Right. which is why we're going to do one more show and then take a little bit of a break and then come back right around the time that NFL training camps will be getting ready because we don't want to bore everyone with you know three things that are, you know I don't know, third thing. Some non-major golf. Just really, really lame. But I am Steve Bennett, host, Don Russ, host over there. Yep. On the show today, two cool things. One is it's always cool when Lee Jenkins is on. He's going to make his 14th appearance on the show, which is nuts. And we're going to close out the NBA season with him, and probably one of the interviews next week will be kind of a closeout of the NHL season. I don't know if we'll do washinsky on that or someone else, but one of our hockey guys will be on to close out the NHL with us next week. We're going to do the NBA this week with Lee Jenkins, and also we're going to do something different. We're going to do an interview with Alex Papadimus, who is a cult, pop culture writer at Grantland.com, who wrote one of the better... I guess you would, I don't know if you call it an obituary, obituary yeah. but maybe you would. One of the better reflection pieces on the life of James Gandolfini for Grantland last week, and Alex is going to chat with us about Gandolfini and The Sopranos and try to get some historical significance together and see where all that kind of shakes out. We did mention last week that Greg Cassell was going to be on the show this week. Something came up, so he'll be on next week or the first show after break. We'll work it out with him, but he'll be on real soon. Uh, he... I don't have any reason to think he won't be on. He's been on before, and he's ready to be on again. They had a big uh, broadcasting boot camp at NFL Films last week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I think he thought he would have more time this week than he ended up having. So uh. we'll get him soon. Let's, you know what? It's, we'll, we'll plug all our stuff at the end, but let's, let's get going here with three things. Let's play a game. All mm. right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback.
2: (laughs) This is the funnest night ever! (laughs) Did we just become best friends? Yep! Now let's move on to other business.
0: Alright, last week we get to do this, which is too bad because it made our preparation a lot easier. Right. Uh, Sharing our first thing as an NHL NBA playoff update because both of those are done which means it is officially Big Brother season. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it starts Wednesday, tomorrow, or the 26th, which is early, and it goes later. It's more Big Brother than ever before, Don.
1: Fabulous. Yes.
0: Uh, But speaking of fabulous, the NBA and the NHL really put on a show the last couple weeks with the conclusion of their finals, which both were really strong, and we talked a little bit on Saturday about how entertained we were as maybe fringe NBA fans, by the last two nights right, of their yeah. final, they were it was really good. And I always bug you about this stuff, you know what draws you to the TV and how much you watch. But you had told me I think that this end of this basketball really really drew you in, huh?
1: Yes, yeah. I caught. I may have already talked about this, but I caught Game Six right at the perfect time. I tuned in with like thirty seconds left, and I got uh, to see
0: the big Ray Allen shot and then the overtimes.
1: Right. Yeah, and I was hooked. From that point on, and I watched up until the game was not in question in the championship game, and then saw some of the post game. But, uh, yeah, Game 6 was really the cream of the crop for me. What do you
0: take away from the NBA season, the NBA Finals? Is there anything you're going to look back on? Is it just how interested you were at the end, or is there something bigger? Is it something about LeBron? I mean, what is it that you're going to look back
1: on this? Huh. Yeah, I guess for me... And the NBA, it's been about dynasties, so I was most interested in basketball when Jordan played, and now I guess this is this is it. This is what's going to draw me back to see if LeBron can get another one, or how many more he can get, and what cities he's going to get him in if he ends up going to Cleveland, like it's kind of rumored out there a little bit. So yeah, I guess for me in basketball, it's all about the stars. Whereas hockey will draw me just because of... Well, and you know, with only five guys on the the floor and 12 guys on the
0: bench, basketball lends itself to being a star-driven sport anyway.
1: Uh, Yeah, I actually heard an argument that said that's one way it'll always be better than hockey. And I can't disagree with that, really, is in a game that has LeBron James or a game that has Sidney Crosby, LeBron James is going to be front and center. Whereas there was an entire series where Crosby was almost non-existent because of the way hockey can take you out of a game Uh, basketball doesn't do that so it tends to be star versus star it tends to meet the billing more than hockey might at times
0: I know you're going to do something on Patrick King later and how much your perception of him has changed and I, I think for me this season is about kind of the official end of me changing on LeBron I think I'm officially over whatever might have made me not want him to win and I'm to the point where I want him to win. I want to tune in. I want to watch him win. I know I was this way when he started. I thought, this guy is cool. He's a good dude. He loves his buddies from his high school team. Yep. And then somehow he lost his way there for a little bit. But I think he's fully back for me in terms of I know that he's a good dude who has a lot of pressure and does the best he can, and I think he handles it well. He's probably to the point in his maturation process where he's totally over whatever immaturity he might have carried with him. Not to say that there was, but Whatever he might have carried, I think he's grown out of it. And I was really happy that he won because I didn't want to have to listen to a summer of LeBron couldn't get it done, one's not enough. I'm glad he's a multi-champion winner, and I want to see how many. I hope he can win five or six or seven because what else am I going to root for? I mean, I'd like to see Blake Griffin get one just because of my little connection with OU. But other than that, there's nothing else in the league that I need to see happen. You know, there isn't a player yeah. out there there isn't like a Charles Barkley or a Carl Malone out there right now, I don't think, that doesn't have one. Yeah, I mean people- maybe I'd like to see Kobe get another one. I'd certainly like to see Kobe be on a Lakers team good enough to challenge LeBron and see a final with those two kind of whatever Kobe has left versus what where LeBron is is the best player in the planet. Do you think LeBron is the best player in any sport in the world right now? I mean Tiger Woods had that title for so long, Ooh, but clearly yeah. it's not him anymore. I don't think. I mean, he certainly hasn't won a major
1: in a long time. Well, that, that's a really interesting question. I mean, he might be the only well, guy in who's any... the, who's the best player in the in the four sports, right? So,
0: the best baseball player is there anyone that it absolutely is? No, it's probably a large. Well, maybe it's Miguel Cabrera right now, someone who won the Triple Crown last year.
1: Who's that rookie that's hitting like 600? Puig, yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah,
0: for the Dodgers. I think that's what it is right now. Baseball, it's this huge group of young, young stars. Yeah. And who's going to Harper. emerge as the best? Yeah. The Harper, the Puig, the, all those guys that we talk about all the time. Anytime we have a baseball guest on, we always go to, all right, how about all these great stars? What a great time. Strasburg. The young Matt and, Pitchers. Right, the, yeah. uh, Harvey especially. Yep. right? So I think baseball, it's it's yet to be determined maybe. There's no Bonds right now in baseball. It's a bunch of guys to see who will be Bonds or Griffey. Right. right? And then, in football, it's probably the Manning, the end of the Manning-Brady era right now. With sure, you got Rodgers. Rogers Breeze. there, and Breeze's head is Maybe Adrian Peterson is... Adrian Peterson. That would be my answer as the no- best player in the league. But, but you I mean, always get sucked into a quarterback. With right, because
1: Peterson, as good as he is, can't take his team to the playoffs. Or pass the first round. Or, right, right, right. And then...
0: Basketball, it's obviously LeBron, and in hockey, it's obviously Crosby. But hockey, usually, you got to be Gretzky to get that nod.
1: Yeah, and after after the Bruins Bruin series, series, I'd maybe argue it was Chara, but then he didn't look at all good in the Chicago series. So,
0: And we talked about maybe Bergeron's the best player on that team. Right. So if there's an argument on your own team...
1: So no, I guess, yeah. I it's guess, probably LeBron. I think it's probably LeBron. Is there a tennis player?
0: Well, I mean... There's Serena, who might be the best women's player of all right, time, right? Right. And then there's Djokovic, Nadal, and the end of Federer, you know, and Murray, the kind of big four in men's tennis, right? And then there's Woods and Mickelson, and the young guys in golf, the McElroys. I think, I think right now, probably yeah. LeBron is I the think, guy you look at. I think with any other sport,
1: you'd you'd at least make a compelling argument for a, more than one or two guys, and I don't think you can in basketball. NHL. Great final. What a great six-game series
0: with the three overtime games and the dramatic end to game six last night. It Literally in the last minute and 30 seconds, you went from, okay, we're going to have a game seven to, okay, we're going to have overtime to, oh, my God, did that just happen? The Blackhawks are champions.
1: Yeah, I looked at my wife and I when we were watching it and I said, that's worse than no goal. It like is from worse. a Buffaloes. Yeah. It's the as most heartbreaking devastating as, defeat since no goal. But I think it's worse. As heartbreaking as no goal was, and granted, no goal was in Game Six. The Sabres still would have had to win a Game Seven in Dallas. In Dallas, uh, Boston. Although they'd have
0: the number one goal you'd ever pick for a one-game Game Seven.
1: In half. right, and people supposedly in Dallas have come out afterwards and said that team was gassed. They were. They were so older. tired. Yeah. Right. Um. Boston was in the same boat where even if they won that game, they still have to win game seven. But what a devastating... That's almost exactly what they did to Toronto. Just not as many goals. Toronto was right. like what, 4-1? Yep, three goals in seven minutes. Yeah. I mean, I cannot imagine being a Bruins fan. And I would feel bad for them if that wasn't like my least favorite team in the right. league.
0: Or if they hadn't won one right. just recently. Right. But that's a be,
1: gut punch loss. They had to be... At an all-time high at about seven minutes when Lucic scores and then they kill off a power play or something late. Yeah, it's around fifteen minutes into the third. The the, the Blackhawks got a power play, didn't right. score, didn't score, and then just deflated.
0: And there's there's always a big goat when this happens, and in this case, it's Boychuk who is standing right next to Boland, right, who scores that game-winning goal and the just doesn't tap, yeah. doesn't tie him up. He got out muscled, and yeah. that's giving him more credit than he probably deserves even to say he got out muscled because he basically he just, just wasn't there he just right. didn't have a stick on top of the bull and stick and
1: but a phenomenal phenomenal series and uh you'll talk about a certain market that may not have even get to see it
0: right would you be surprised if we see another bruins Hawks final at some point in this N- not ever but with these cores
1: well, it's a harder playoffs to get through, obviously, because... The Blackhawks are super young in Kane and Tave still. They've... Are they, either of them 26 years old, even? I mean, they're right around that age, and right? And Keith, too. And Keith. Uh, after the last time they won, people said, oh, there's no way they're going to be able to keep sharp, and they did. And, boy... Uh, Taves and Kane earned Bickle a huge contract, so maybe they can't keep him. Well, the
0: guy that they, the huge contract they took away last time was Campbell, and maybe the huge one they take away this time is Hosa. Yeah, and they lost Dufflin, Bufflin too after the last
1: right. one too, but but he was a kind of a budget guy right, that they right. didn't match the big payday with. Right, yeah, he was more like the Bickle. Right. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Chicago was back there. The NHL is just so hard to begin with, like is the fact that Pittsburgh only won two Stanley Cups when they had the two best players on the planet on the same team. Is that disappointing? I mean, there's just no dynasty. Since Edmonton and the Islanders, it just doesn't happen. It, yeah, two's a lot. It's or such you got to space them out attr- like the Devils have. Right. It's such a war of attrition, and anything can happen in the playoffs. I know that's all cliche, but it's so long. It's so hard.
0: Well, that's why we're never going to get over 2006 here or five. The first the conference finals, yeah, because the Sabers were the best team in the NHL. Tim Conley was somehow the best forward in the world before he goes out in round two. And then every time you win a game in the conference finals, you You lose lose a defenseman, and you are winning going into the third period with four guys who were in the AHL when the playoffs started on your blue line. And not to mention it's an eight seed waiting for you from the West.
1: (laughs) Right, right.
0: We're never going to be able to get over that we didn't win that one because it's never going to line up like that again.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about how how cool dynasties are, like in the NBA, but the NBA is a five-man team. Uh, You're not shift-changing constantly. Your bench is maybe, what, three, four guys deep on a really good team. Uh, It's so tough in hockey. I'd love to see it. I mean – not, just, I'd love to see my team be it eventually, but
0: Anthony and I were talking about this. Like he's just won a championship as a sophomore, and yeah, I'd love to see him win one as a junior and a senior. But you know what? He doesn't need to. No, because it's so unlikely for an Ivy League team in 2013 to get through that season to win all those single elimination games. Well, even
2: the
1: the team they played against, Quinnipiac. I I didn't. I'm not a big college hockey seniors, fan. right? They, they made it there because they had 12 seniors, not because there was some hockey power. So, I mean, you can just, in the single elimination format and all that, and the 12 seniors and the Hobie Baker quality goalie. Goalie, right, yeah. You know, and that none of that's going to be there next year for them. So, yeah, I mean, hockey, I think teams like Boston, Chicago, Pittsburgh, they're going to be in the discussion as long as Kane and Bergeron and Chara and uh, what other team did I mention?
0: Oh maybe the penguins. Yeah, Malkin okay, Crosby, Crosby, Malkin. Yeah, so as the long pen. as those guys
1: are in the league, I think they're going to they're going to be hot. It's going to be Stanley Cup or bust for those fan groups, but to think that any of them are just going to win constantly or that we're going to see this I mean this is a long way around your question, but sure. I mean, they're those two teams are just as likely as anybody else to meet, I would say, in the playoffs.
0: Last thing on this before we move on and we are going to share number 2 this week, but I have an, I have one to throw out, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. That maybe you can just – I thought of this, so I, I'll give you one. But okay. Is there been a spring you can remember with a better NBA-NHL final combination than this one? And the one I'm going to throw out is 94, where we had the Rangers and Canucks go to seven and the Rockets and Knicks go to seven. And we had OJ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Of all that. Yeah, there's that great documentary. Yeah.
0: Uh, Can you think of one, maybe, that it's so easy to say say this just happened? Yeah,
1: that's the easy thing to say, but I think back then it was more about New York because of the Knicks and Rangers, whereas I think there's arguably more star power in this one because you're talking the best of the best and LeBron. Like maybe if Crosby were there, it would push this one even more over the top, but uh, I don't know, maybe that's not even true. I mean, the Knicks had a lot of star power. Well, they had, their big star
0: is Ewing, and then Olajuwon is the big star. And, and Those Messier are both top 50 players. And Bure for Vancouver. For, yeah, Right, right. So Yeah, it's I do Those are, I think probably in our lifetime, those are the two that you go to. Right. You know, 93 is supposedly the best final of the Jordan era, and the cup that year is L.A. Montreal. and Montreal, which isn't that great. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, wanna...
1: I mean, this is, it doesn't get much better than. Good time what to have a podcast, saw. I guess. Easy way yeah. to start off every week. We're going to miss it. Big Brother Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Uh, our shared second thing this week, which is one of them stories that we hate to kind of do, but you kind of have to do, is Aaron Hernandez and Weird. what is going on there. Uh, I said on Facebook as this unraveled, and it's not the most sensitive thing I've ever posted, but I said it sure sounds like Aaron Hernandez killed a guy. And. I wouldn't go on record as saying that, but if you're trying not to look suspicious, smashing all the cameras in your house... Your phone. Smashing your phone before you turn it over, the it just doesn't bode well. Uh, he's been charged officially with obstruction of justice, which is kind of weird, too. He because, has
0: been charged with that? I know it's that, been reported okay, that might, he was charged with that. Yeah, I guess I don't know for sure, agent, so I shouldn't say that. His agent came out kind of blasting the media for reporting that. Okay. And it's kind of a similar situation with the bombing in Boston where there was all these reports that were somewhat premature, but eventually it happened in a way. Remember, it was always like, okay, they got a guy. They're going to arrest a guy. But then it didn't happen. But then eventually they did have a guy and they did arrest a guy. And that might be a similar situation where we're at. Everyone's trying to be first on Twitter. And maybe there's been some premature reporting. But eventually it seems like Aaron Hernandez doesn't seem like he's walking away with this with nothing, right?
1: I can't imagine. The weird thing about obstruction of justice is if they haven't charged anybody with something. you know what I mean? Like, what is he obstructing? Like, you are kind. Of, I mean, I can smash my own phone right now if if they don't. I don't know. I'm not going to try to make a legal. Yeah, discussion. I don't. I don't, really I, I don't know, about know enough about it, but it's it's a very bizarre bizarre story. This is what I know. This is what I can
0: say. I've heard. He was born in Connecticut, okay, and I always heard that he went to Florida because there was always a concern about the people he grew up with and the people he ran with in Connecticut, and the idea was to get him as far away from that as possible. Let's send, okay, go to Florida. Don't stay, don't go to anywhere in the East Coast. Go down to Florida, play your college football there. Then he comes back to New England. Now there's a report that maybe he shot someone in the face
1: last year. Right.
0: You know, clearly this is a guy who... Which is a strange
1: thing to have not come out And he's a guy
0: who was drafted in the fourth... He's the 113th pick in the league, and look at the things he's done on the field. And the reason that happened is because he was taken off of boards because of rumors of this happening. Not maybe to this extreme, but I don't think he was taken off the board because he's going to obstruct justice and shoot someone in the face. I think it's more like he could have some serious personal issues.
1: Yeah, so kind of uh, this will be the saga of the summer as far as the NFL goes, I'm sure, as this unwinds. This is especially is the finally
0: gate of 2013.
1: Sure, especially with Gronk being hurt. I mean, not to make this about a game, but and he's football got a, is what makes him famous. And
0: $12.5 million signing
1: bonus at, in Jeopardy right now. Like wow. That, you know? But, yeah, so, I mean... If you thought you were done with Tebow, Tebow might be back in the news if they try to convert him to tight end. But, yeah, just a weird, weird story. My third thing is going to be – well, I have – we're going to have some – We're both going to be We're going to be a little long. <laughs> right. We're going to be a little long here. Uh, my third thing, the NFL Network did their top 100. Uh, Dave Damoshek, NFL Network guy, this guy we talk to a lot. It's kind of our buddy. He's our boy. Three guys left off the list. Two of them in particular, uh, C.J. Spiller and Jimmy Graham, not in the top 100. Mystifying both of us. Uh, Yeah, Jairus Bird will be the other one that, as a Bills fan, is a little bit questionable, only because he's going to be a free agent this year, and if the Bills sign him, he'll be the highest paid free 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 safety in in the league, so he must be
0: good. And if it's based truly on last season, he was one of the top 100 players in this. But, I mean, there's no debating Spiller and Graham. That right there, those are unbelievable oversights. I mentioned, Dennis Pitta is a tight end on this list. He's number one hundred. He is so. If Graham is the best, let's say Graham and Spiller are one hundred and one and one hundred and two, right? Right. Just missed the broadcast. You're telling me that the Ravens would now the Ravens have a great running back who's real high on the list. I'm sure. Thirteen, But you're telling me that the Ravens would say, you know what? We have a chance at Graham or Pitta. Let's stick with Pitta. (laughs) No chance in hell. I would maybe be able to argue Jimmy Graham is the best tight end in the league. Yep. You would probably get into an argument between Graham and Gronkowski on that right now. And Gronkowski is at a point where he's going to need to prove he's recovered. Sure. Graham isn't. Graham had some nagging injuries last year, but nothing that's like you're going to say is going to derail his career like five surgeries in a year might.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and he doesn't make the list at
0: all. The oh, fans okay.
1: have him at like 43 or right, something like that. Right, 60 spots at
0: a minimum worse than the players. That's nuts. And Spiller is just as nuts. Go ahead and lay your Spiller yeah, case yeah. out.
1: Yeah, my CJ Spiller case, and I said on Twitter, I, I wrote to Damashek and he was kind enough to write back saying he, he totally agrees and that he was going to bring it up on the finale show, which I don't think has happened yet. But, uh, no, it's
0: this week, tomorrow or Wednesday, whenever they do it.
1: The web, Their website does a great job of this, and this isn't even something you can blame the NFL.com for. They This is supposedly a ranking by other players. So other players think that without the top ten being released yet, and I imagine Foster We assume it's and Foster Peterson, and Peterson
0: are left. That's what we assume.
1: Um, Ray Rice, Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch, Frank Gore, Lashawn McCoy, Doug Martin, Chris Johnson, Alfred Morris, Trent Richardson, Maurice Jones-Drew. Twelve teams would rather have those players... As teammates, apparently. Then C.J. Spiller. And I know Buffalo is a small market. That's what it is. Uh, I know they're flying under the radar because of how bad they are. Small
0: market, not relevant, forgot your guy. That's what it is, right?
1: Other teams just totally forgot about Buffalo in this case because... Did Buffalo get a guy on the list at all? No, right? I don't think so. Yeah, The Saints got one. It would have been Spiller or Bird, probably. I mean, maybe uh, Mario Williams and reputation, but... I doubt it. So, according to the players, the Bills don't have a top 100 player on their team. Did you not? Ouch. Yeah, they're young. I expect them to be bad again. So, but they're super young. So I'm excited.
0: My last thing is Wimbledon. Wimbledon is underway, and it started with a bang. Very yeah. first day, Rafael Nadal, who was really impressive in winning the French Open, goes down. He's out. See you later. Today, the two top seeds, Serena Williams and Djokovic cruised to straight set victories. So here we go. My question about all these type of things, and I know you said tennis is one that will get you there easier because it's something that the wife will watch with you. When does Wimbledon be something that's on at the Russ household?
1: Oh, uh, Not till the weekend. Weekend. Probably, yeah. Uh, Although Breakfast with Wimbledon is something you like to do. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, you flip the TV on. Saturday, Sunday mornings. Some background noise, whatever. Yeah, that's when I'll get to it. It doesn't help that one of the stars is out getting – what was the player ranked, like 600 or something like that? Whatever
0: last is, right? Oh,
1: Oh, right. Well, actually that's not true because they do their own rankings
0: and Djokovic was one. And this was the controversy before that Nadal could have played Federer in the quarterfinals. Oh, because of their Wimbledon yeah, doesn't strange. go by
1: the world rankings, they do their own, I believe it was the lowest ranked player that's ever knocked him out. Uh, I don't remember the exact number, so I shouldn't just throw stuff out there but yeah so I, I imagine we'll see some of it it's it's something we like to kind of we're casual fans of tennis I don't like have a guy or anything but uh real quick updates so have already gone long the music's gone, but just some football stuff uh, Deacon Jones always complains about how he Right, no sacks. No sacks in his era. He'd Third, I heard. Supposedly, he thinks he'd be number one. Really? I heard
0: third behind Smith and whoever's that is Smith.
1: Reggie White. Um, They are going to name a Deacon Jones award for the sack leader. So if he's not the all-time sack leader officially, at least he's got a cool award named after him now. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew will not be charged for his alleged bar incident. Which is what we
0: kind of figured.
1: We did, yeah. We said that kind of. He's just want, not one of those guys you'd expect. I guess there is video out there of it. So this is where the conspiracy theorists come out and say, what did he pay the guy to shut up and whatever. But they didn't see enough on the video to charge him. And the last thing, which I've kind of mentioned in all three stages, uh, Jim Kelly had cancer. Jim Kelly had surgery. And now to complete free. the update, Jim well, Kelly is cancer-free. Yeah, hopefully – fully recovered and the best thing
0: about that is he's cancer free and doesn't need chemotherapy
1: at this point does not yet right right. uh sounded like as painless a process as you can as far as removing cancer but i mean they did have to take like his teeth out and part of his jaw and stuff like that but he's already back at like his camp and doing all that stuff so that's super awesome uh and good i mean he's a great guy for the community and football at large so
0: a really cool point real quick to make about that The local sports radio station here used to do a radiothon with his foundation to each year to raise money. Instead, this year, they did these auctions for like... Yeah. One of the things that they auctioned off was to be able to go hunting with Jim Kelly and Brett Favre. Brett Favre, right. How cool would that be? I don't have the money to get in a bidding war on that kind of a thing, but I see stuff like this all the time. like. A lot of times when I listen to Stern, there'll be some people in during the news that paid money to a charity to be able to sit on the couch while Robin reads the news. Right. I always think that that would be a super cool thing if I had you know ten grand to dump on something. I don't know what the winning bid was for this, but it was worth it to be yeah. able to do something good for charity and have a great day. I don't even hunt, but I'd go get a license to be able to hang out in the <laughs> woods with Jim, Jim Kelly, Kelly and, and Brett, Brett Favre. Favre. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. All right, we'll be right back with Lee Jenkins. I know. Our first guest is from San Diego, California, and is a graduate of Vanderbilt University. In 2007, he joined Sports Illustrated and SI.com as a senior writer, where he covers mostly basketball. He has been honored for his writing by the New York Press Association, Football Writers Association of America, the Colorado Press Association, and was named New York's best sports writer by the Village Voice. He is making an unprecedented 14th appearance on our podcast today. A warm, sportscasters. Welcome to the great Lee Jenkins. What's up, Lee? Hey, Steve. How are you? Really good, really good. Excited to have you on the show today. Hey, get this. So the other day, I do the uh, Sirius XM thing because I'm a big Stern guy, you know? So I always got to yeah. listen to Stern a little bit, at least a couple times a week. Plus, he's only on a couple times a week, so it's easy now because by the time it's 10 o'clock on Wednesday, he's not on again until the next Monday. So you got all weekend hear a bit here, a bit there. So occasionally, I'll turn on the Mad Dog, right? So I was listening to Chris Russo's show, and within 25 minutes, he insulted two of my favorite sports writers in the country. Definitely my two favorite basketball writers. First, he took a shot at McCollum for calling the 93 Suns and um, Bulls, yeah. Bulls series the best ever. So at first it was that. And then the funny thing about that is then he had, I heard him have McCollum on a couple days later, and he totally backed off of it. So I thought huh. that was kind of Weasley. And then he blasted you for being a LeBron apologist. Really? Who, so who's what? not a LeBron apologist? Like, like what, what, is, what is anyone writing negative about LeBron at this point? Yeah, like, it's,
3: hard, it's hard to bash him right now. Whenever I'm in company with Jack McCallum, uh, even if it's getting ripped, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> That's true. Jack's great, and he's, good. he's really good to us. He was on our show last week. We, we, lo- we love Dream Team. What a great book that was. You get a chance to read that?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, and everything he does, it's funny, he's talked about LeBron, because I was doing the, I I wrote the magazine story for the finals, and this week, and I kind of had a, you know, I, I thought going into it there was a pretty good chance LeBron would win it. And so I look back at all the years Jack wrote Jordan, like wrote the Bulls winning it, and it was a fun kind of trip down memory lane to read one after another, all six of those pieces. Um, and how he tried to, because I was like thinking about how to, you know, make one different from the other. Uh, you know, because they really right. start to blend together, I'm sure, for LeBron, the way they did for Jordan. Um, so it was, it was great, you know, getting to read that and, uh, and also a little intimidating, too.
1: And
0: three <laughs> of them, Jack had to do really... Without much cooperation from Jordan, right? Because post baseball, he's been pretty estranged with the magazine. Am yeah, I right he didn't
3: that? talk to SI. Yeah. That, you know that obviously makes it twice as hard. And a right. bunch of those games were on. I mean, this is a little inside, inside SI, but our deadline's like Sunday night, Monday morning, and a, a bunch of those Jordan championships. I want to say at least three ended on Sunday night. Right. Um, LeBron's both ended now on Thursday night, so you don't have. All, in that case, you don't really have. Any time you're just you're just writing like anybody else and you know pulling an all nighter and trying to get the best stuff you can after the game.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the finals this year and LeBron because he is the biggest story of, of the finals for sure. Because I think now he's a multiple champion and I think the biggest thing walking away from this is okay. So where is LeBron's legacy now if he never won another one, never played another game compared to where it was after his first one last year, and. Don and I were talking about this with, Pat, with Patrick Kane, I think it's the same story with LeBron, where I can't think of two other athletes who we've made bigger 180s on in the last couple of years. You know, before LeBron's championship season last year, he was still down in the gutter there from the decision thing and all of that, and it's like anecdote after anecdote, making the team, I think you told us this, making the team poster pictures with the troops at an airport and... Just, yeah, little, thing, yeah, yeah, little, little things like that. It's just like he's turned around. And then did you see Magic and Simmons, the the ESPN guys, interview with him after the finals? Did you get a chance to look at that?
3: No, I heard about it. I was actually, you know, I was working at that time. Right, I, I figured. I heard, you know, he was great, though. Well, though and
0: yeah, he was great. What, tell us about where you are with LeBron now in terms of perception well, and I, legacy you know, and all that. The
3: thing about the legacy deal and all that, it's, it, yeah, I wrote this in this week's magazine. It's like reviewing a, a five-course meal or something after the the second dish. I mean, we're just we're so right in the middle of it, and I think at this point, it's clearly going to be something historic. You know, w- whether it's at the level of Jordan, you know, I don't know, or, or Magic. It's just we're we're right in the mi- in the midst of everything, and I do think in this era, it's probably going to be harder to reel off you know, three and five years or four and six years. But when you look at what he's done in the last three years, the three straight finals runs, two titles sandwiched around the Olympics, and just kind of carrying the team in as many different ways when you think about the ball handling, the inside, the outside, what he does defensively, it's exhausting, really. I mean, with the last, when we saw Jordan do that, he had to retire afterward right. um, or go play baseball. And then, and then, of course, came back again. So, you know, for him to kind of have that reserve to keep going, um, I think shows sort of the stamina of the greats. You know, and as far as perception, um, you know, look, the decision thing was a fiasco. And I, I'm sure that, you know, there are elements. I, I would, I, I'm always reluctant to say, um, oh, well, he wasn't a good guy before, and now he's a good guy, and he's had this massive change. I don't know if people really change like that. I just know that... He's clearly tapped um, his potential as a basketball player. He's done justice to his gifts. And that's kind of, I think, all we can ask of our favorite athletes or the best athletes in the world is, are they getting everything out of um, these immense gifts that God gave them? And in LeBron's case these past few years, the answer has to be yes.
0: You know, an interesting thing about LeBron and what he did this year is that the Big 3 wasn't as big of a 3 as maybe we thought when it put together this year. You know, right. I think Wade was maybe struggling with some knee injuries and he did play well in what the game that put them up 3 to 2, I think was his kind of big game in the finals and um Bosh just wasn't again, he had his moments, but it seems like that Big 3 isn't maybe as big as we thought. Can LeBron keep winning with these guys, or does he need more?
3: Well, I mean, no, I think they are not as big as as what we thought. And it's really going to be one more year. It's Mm -hmm. going to be one more year with this group, and Pat Riley's not. I don't think he's going to be in a rush after that team that won 27 in a row and won the title to break it up. Um, And you you could do that. There are organizations that I think would try to make a preemptive strike, uh, maybe try to deal Bosch or you know, get something back for him. Um, but they'd like to see this thing through as long as they can. So they'll take it through next year. They'll see if LeBron can carry him to another title. And then and then that'll probably be it for this iteration of the big three. All three can opt out of their contracts. They'll all have decisions to make. Um, for the Heat to re- retain all three, they would have to take less than, cap again, or less than Max again, um, which I think is unlikely. So, you know, chances are this is going to be it, and LeBron's going to be looking around at Wade and at Bosch and he does have a very close personal relationship with Wade, really, really good friends. Um, but I think he's going to, really to ask himself if Dwayne Wade is the best he can do as a sidekick, if that's what he wants, if he kind of wants to be just a lifetime Heat player. Um, I think he's really enjoying picking off titles. And if there's another place he can go to get, to get a better shot at it, I'm sure he'll do that
0: have we underrated how good the coaching is there?
3: Yeah, I do. I think so. I mean, spolstras he's really maximized him. I mean, he's come up with this sort of, I don't want to call it revolutionary, but it's a, it's a pretty unique way of playing where you've all these shooters, they sign all these shooters, they space the floor, it's what they did in Game 7, and they let LeBron go to work, and it's a way to get the most out. When you have a truly transcendent player, it's the way, a way to get the most out of them. It's what Oklahoma City did with Durant when Westbrook went down. I think you'll see it more and more with guys who can do everything. So they have a guy you know, who's big can handle it, can shoot, can drive, um, and they put him in the best spot to succeed. So I think Spolster's system, the sort of positionless way um that, that he's kind of come up with has been genius. And and then the other part of it is you got a guy who never played in the NBA, who was a video coordinator and he's clearly been able to command the respect of that locker room enough, you know, of these, you know, big egos, huge stars um, to the point where they could win two titles and go to three straight finals. And you know, the other point is to, to motivate them through 27 games in a row. Yeah, a team like that that kind of knows how to turn the switch on and off, I think that's pretty impressive, also.
0: The turning the switch on and off thing was, blew my mind this year. There was so, I mean, especially the finals is a great example. You know, they had three games in there where they just didn't look at all like a team who could win a championship, and against the Pacers as well.
3: But I don't know that they're that – I don't think they're that elite. I don't think they're like one of these all-time teams where you can say they didn't turn the switch on or off. I think they just got beat in a lot of those games. Hmm. I think they were trying to win. I think there is – they get a little extra burst, clearly, from failure. Uh, But that 27 in a row, you know, they – they, flipped, they kept the switch pretty much on. Now within games, they they would go up and down, and they would trail. Uh, but they won twenty seven games in a row. Right. So that shows that they're not purely a flip switching kind of team. And late in the playoffs, Indiana, San Antonio. I mean, they, I think they showed that the heater the heater flawed. I mean, they're not a true dynasty in that way where they're just so dominant um, I think they're they have one really dominant player and then besides that they're you know they're kind of a regular team
0: what about the other side of the finals and the Spurs I think it's easy to say well they had their chance that's it for this group it was a great run since 99 or whatever amazing things they did but then I, I think about it a little bit it's like well but they're not going to win 50 years 50 games in the regular season next year am I just like Assuming too much. I mean, is this really it for them?
3: Well, no. I mean, they're they're going to win fifty again. Right. And they'll be right, right there again. And yeah, I mean, people, especially with the NBA, they write teams off. I think teams get written off a little early too soon. It kind of goes back to the Jazz, like in the late nineties, when you kept hearing they're done, they're done, and they were never done. Um, guys don't, you know, they don't drop off a cliff like that in the NBA the way they do in the NFL, for instance. So, no, I don't think they're they're done. It's just going to be. Some things broke right for them, specifically Westbrook.
2: Russell Westbrook right. and
3: his you know, knee problems. So, if, if with Russell Westbrook back and these guys a year older, nobody's really going to pick San Antonio to get back to the the finals again, unless they are able to make a move and get creative. Maybe you, you know, if they can get Ginobili off the books and replace him with with somebody like, let's say, they were able to get Andre Iguodala somehow you know, swing something there. You know, that could put them, you know, back in the conversation. But look, Kawhi Leonard's better. You know, Parker's not old. I mean he's gonna be the same guy next year as he was this past year. Duncan is older, but, you know, again, he's not gonna drop off a cliff. So no, I'm I'm with you. I think they'll be right back in the mix and we'll all be talking about, wow, where did the Spurs <laughs> come from? We can't believe they're still around. You know they have they have really good players. They have a great system, and they're going to have a lot of motivation because, you know, what happened to them in Game Six is just something that I don't think you ever really get over. I mean, that, that that's gonna it's going to burn these guys all off season and coming into next year.
0: Yeah, you know, and you mentioned Leonard, and it's too bad that he's going to be mostly remembered from this finals for missing one of the two three free throws that could have won the championship. But he he's surprised. He's a really good player, huh?
3: Yeah, I mean he's a. I don't know how, I don't know if he's the kind of guy who would have been a good player if he got drafted by one of those bad teams that he had to kind of be, you know, an A or A guy, but as sort of a, um, you know, third sort of player, he's pretty much as good as you can get, and, and one of the things that I think I didn't really know about him so much until I saw him defend LeBron, is just what a great defender he is, and people who saw him all season, I think, knew that. He's got these incredibly long arms. Huge hands. He's got great feet. He doesn't really make mistakes. Um, he really did a great job. I thought seeing in front of LeBron for most of the series, uh, and then on the other end, he's he was cool. I mean, he he made he made shots. He wouldn't great the whole series from three, but he was he was really good as far as you know picking up some short twos. And again, he just he doesn't do a lot of stupid things. And that's where he's very much of a spur. And they have a piece there. I mean, they have a piece to bridge this gap. Parker, Leonard, you know, they can get by. It's, just, it's not the kind of team see, that's going to attract a bunch of big-time free agents. Even though they're a team in Texas, I think there's a little less appeal with San Antonio than there is with Houston and Dallas. Um, so they're going to have to be creative, and history shows that they've been that.
0: Let's do a couple of smaller things here. Let's say Sports Illustrated comes up to you next week and says, all right, the season is over, let's put aside the heat and the Spurs for a minute. And why don't you write about the thing that you're going to take away from the NBA season the most this year that doesn't involve the finals or the teams that were in it at all?
3: I'd probably go with just the injuries and all the yeah, guys who are going injuries. to be coming back next year. I mean, I think that this season sort of devolved into a war of attrition because so many headliners got hurt. And, you know, I, I'm wondering just how they're all going to look next year because so many of them are these incredible, just really hyper-athletic kind of players. You have your Westbrook and, of course, Derrick Rose and Kobe, uh, Rajon Rondo. and These guys who are going to make a difference in the landscape next season depending on on how they are, how they come back. Um, So I think that was something that was probably really disappointing for the NBA is that that the playoffs, you know, you, you didn't necessarily get your best, you didn't see your best players. You might not have even seen all of the best teams. You know, I think Oklahoma City at full strength uh, would have been nice to see. And, and, and not that the Spurs didn't provide a great finals because they did. But, but even just seeing the Spurs have to face Oklahoma City um, and seeing who would have come out of the West, you know, I think we were kind of as viewers probably deprived of that.
0: Do you think? Because I was wondering this about the NHL if they're going to have this problem next year. Do you think going mm-hmm. from an abbreviated season to a full season? Had anything to do with the maybe increase?
3: All the injuries, yeah,
0: you know, because I was thinking, yeah. well, you know, and and also the quality of the playoffs. The NHL had an unbelievable playoffs this year, and I was wondering if it's because this, the regular season wasn't as big of a grind, so the top teams, they didn't have the injury problems that they might normally have, and the top teams were able to. I mean, the final four in the NHL, I don't think they've ever had one as good as they did this year. Sure, maybe someone can come up with a year, but and I remember the NBA playoffs last year being a really great. They were really good. They yeah. were better
3: last year, I thought. Yeah, um, you know, I, yeah. I think when the when the guys are fresh, with both the NBA and the NHL, the regular seasons are too long. Yep. You know the guys pace themselves. I mean, maybe in the NHL they don't, but I feel like they don't play as hard in the in the NBA. They definitely pace themselves in the regular season. You're seeing a you know, a different brand of, of basketball. That's why I think these lockout years maybe you remember fondly, oddly enough. The NBA had the same problem, though, with injuries last year. You know, guys were getting hurt. People were blaming the lockout for it.
0: Right. Um, when well, you know, Rose guys comes were
3: coming more yeah. out of shape, that always happens with a lockout. Um, so I don't really know that the. And I, if you go through those specific injuries, too, I, I don't really know how much of that would be. You would trace all the way back to the lockout, you know, and a lot of that just comes from. A bad bounce, or you know what happened to Westbrook was just it was a free play. it was a silly play, kind of reckless uh, by Patrick Beverly, and what happened to Kobe, whether it was overuse or just all those miles. you know you can debate that, but again, I don't think that's about the lockout necessarily either.
0: I know you don't cover it, but is there anything that's going to be interesting you during the draft tomorrow is there I mean, this doesn't seem like the. I mean, there's obviously no yeah. LeBrons in the draft, Cleveland. right?
3: I mean, I mean, Cleveland just interests me right now, like as a team, because you know, they have Irving, they've got a couple pieces, they made a, to me sort of a curious coaching hire. Mike Brown's a wonderful man; he's a really nice guy, um, and he obviously doesn't burn bridges because he went back to Cleveland. But just you know, knowing that you know, Lebron's going to be in play next year, and he is sentimental about his home. That that was kind of a curious move to bring back a guy who already who already hadn't worked with, but just seeing who they end up with and how that player develops is something that you know I'm sure as LeBron is forward toward his decision next year that he'll be watching. Um, so I think it's a big moment for the Cavaliers. Like, do they trade out of that and you know try to get some more proven talent so that maybe they could get a playoff spot next year? You know, I think it would be big for them as far as the courting of a free agent if uh, if they did get a if they could get a playoff spot and look like they've made some real forward progress because like, they're still not going to get, you know, there aren't going to be a bunch of guys clamoring to go to Cleveland. There, there's one guy who is, could be very much in play for them. And, and that's why you have this team that's either going to be um, nowhere or they're going to be maybe a championship favorite and it's all still based on LeBron.
0: I love to ask you this, and I love and you mentioned it. It's those guys that have been the first overall pick in the last couple of years, and I think at this point, Rose and Griffin kind of have established themselves as the players they are in the league. But what about Wall and Irving, and even to a lesser degree, having only seen one year of Davis, uh, where they are? And are we going to see Wall being a guy who kind of moves teams here?
3: Yeah, I think I think so. I think John Wall is going to be. Well, John Wall has been really harshly evaluated, I think, and forgotten. And he's just in, he was in a mess of a situation. It's like the opposite of the Kawhi Leonard situation. So he got he got drafted into the circus um, with that organization and that specific team, and I think he's kind of coming out of it now. You saw it in the second half of this season. I, I saw him and talked to him a little bit. Um, I was in Oklahoma City and saw him, and I think he's really turned a corner. His shooting has gotten better. He's actually going to the same trainer as uh, as Rose, and you know you saw Rose take a big jump with his shooting ability in year three and. Was that year three? It might have been year two, even. Year two. So, I mean, Wall's a little bit behind that. But he's still arguably the fastest point guard in the league. And he's a guy who, you know, when he goes up against Kyrie Irving, it's hard to tell which one's better, even though Irving has a huge buzz around him. And obviously, I think Irving was an incredibly successful pick. He's a bedrock for the Cavaliers. He's part of this point guard revolution. But I do think Wall will kind of be a guy who... It actually could be a good story in the future years. I mean, he'll kinda of come up on people on people a little later. Irving is a clear success. And look, Davis, when he played this year and he was healthy, he was really effective. I mean he'll be one of those people who I think will get better with time. I and mean, big men take a little bit longer. He's he's gonna be a very, very solid, very good NBA player. He just didn't have the mania around him this year. The injuries, they weren't that good and Damian Lillard, um, who's more of a polished product, a four-year college player, he won Rookie of the Year. He had all of that buzz around him. Um, but I don't necessarily know that you'll see Lillard take huge steps forward at this point. Like he kind of is one of those guys who he's really good and he'll continue to be really good. But I don't know. You know, he's not one of those like one-and-done types who's got all of this potential ahead of him that we've never seen. Um, so I do think Davis is still a great pick, and especially what he can do defensively. Um, So yeah, I think all of those guys were solid And that's why this year When there's not a clear cut number one um, There's probably more risk involved And for a team like the Cavs I don't know, they want to take that risk
0: The sportscasters are finishing up with our Most uh, decorated guest In terms of appearances, Lee Jenkins You can find him at SI underscore Lee Jenkins A couple real quick magazine things before I let you go Is there anything you're really looking forward to doing Story-wise that isn't basketball related Now that the season's over?
3: Yeah, they're going to put me on some football uh-huh. this off season. so um, you know, and there are a couple things in the hopper, and yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think whenever you could do the NFL, some um, it's it, it's it's fun, because you know, there's so much interest around it, and um, and the one thing about the NFL that's refreshing is there are just so many new stars, like it does it feels like there's sort of a kind of a new, I don't know, sort of a new wave of, of faces coming into it, and there's so much turnover because there are Good new players every couple of years, whereas in the NBA, basically a star, you know, you have these guys who are stars for 10 or 15 years, and you just feel like you're writing about them an awful lot, um, and so that's that's kind of one thing that's always exciting, I think, about doing football, is it's, it's always fresh, um, you know, the reason why it's always fresh is, is violence and, you know, attrition and right. all of that, um, but from a writing standpoint, I think that, that there are always new stories there.
0: Well, there's always so much interest nationally around the Bills that if you make it out here for a Bills story, we should definitely <laughs> do lunch. But uh, No doubt. Um, I was talking to Mr. McCollum about this. I think it was last week he was on. It might have been the week before, but whatever. We were talking about how when he was in the the, the belly of his NBA coverage, it's kind of him and, and Frank DeFord. is like, what an amazing thing. And I think now yeah. it's it's you and, and Ballard who's unbelievable too. And I'm just, <laughs> well, I don't know,
3: yeah, I, I mean, yeah, those guys
0: are above. stuff. you know, I we're a Bleed Dude, Jenkins apologist, but no, that's, that's very,
3: that's a little lofty for, for me. But thanks. Well,
0: uh, what I'm wondering is if you get, if you guys both, you know, get to that level, and you guys are lucky enough to be Hall of Famers, do we have any shot at possibly being able to induct you into the Hall of Fame since you've been on this show so many times? Like oh, thanks. When you look at the well, list, I like if I you get a, there... because I, I can drive to Springfield, no problem. Yeah, I can drive up there if you want. Like, because my brother goes to <laughs> Yale, and I drive by it every time I go there. Right. I mean, no, I
3: don't think they're. Gonna to be a, I don't think they're going to be getting that desperate. Well, but
0: well,
2: I, I mean, I
3: you've got a, a lot, lot of
0: career left. Like,
3: if you there get... are like so many great people who cover the NBA right now, I mean, I don't really, you know, I'm lucky to kind of parachute in and do a couple features. But like Adrian Wojnarowski and you know, ESPN's got. A, Cadre of people and uh, and like you said we have we have Ballard writes incredible features especially after Spurs which is like the hardest team to write off. I right, know, yeah, his Duncan piece
0: last year was great.
3: So yeah, I mean that Duncan started was yeah. incredible. So no, we have uh, there's there are a lot of good people covering the NBA. I don't think. I don't think you
0: need to worry about making a drive for me. Oh, well, I, but I just, I can't really think of anyone else who would even consider us for, you know, for the induction speech. <laughs> Admittedly, we'd probably be pretty low on your list even, but I was thinking, you know, maybe top six and uh, at hey, least, you know, yeah, we'd be on yeah, the ballot. I, I don't
3: think there's going to be a problem you're going to be having, so I appreciate that.
0: Thanks so much for doing this as always. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Bye. Thank you. It's time for a new segment we've created called Five on Fantasy. With the first pick, Adrian Peterson, Drew Brees, Stephen Jackson, Miles Austin, Leon Lett, cinco, TJ Zada. I once tricked my brother Greg into picking Roy Williams about nine rounds after he had actually been selected.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't care. I'm just trying to win me a fantasy football league. All right. We figured with summer vacation coming up, and thank you to Lee Jenkins, by the way. Oh yeah. With summer vacation coming up, there was no reason to start a new book. So instead, we figured let's do some fantasy the next couple weeks. We also figured it's too early to redo our first round mock draft. Not enough right. has happened what is, what since would we change? did it last. That there's no big injuries. There's no football in pads to say this guy has moved up or this guy's moved back or whatever. So we went to the drawing board and said, what can we do? Five on fantasy. What can we talk about that would be worth listening to? And this is what we came up with for this week, and we'll come up with something else for next week, is the idea of drafting. I thought of this because Matthew Berry, I heard him say that his draft kit was up and his draft day manifesto was up, and I started thinking about strategy for fantasy football. And My biggest strategy has always been to draft for maximum value to try with each pick to get the guy at that pick who has the most value at that spot. And that might not sound like anything crazy revolutionary or unique to myself, but I think what that is different than is the strategy of, all right, there's a big name, there's a guaranteed amount available here, but I'm going to pick that instead of value or upside or things like that.
1: Right, or I'm... Going to draft a running back here no matter what type right.
0: right. So what we decided to do to try to go on that theme is we're each going to give the other guy three players, one at a time. And we're going to tell what his ADP is at this point, his average draft position.
1: Which we recognize is
0: way early. Right. And what we're going to do is say, do we think that ADP is right where we'd want to draft that guy? Is it under his value or over his value? Absolutely. All right, so I will start, and I will throw my first one out for you, Don, and this is a guy who we have to reevaluate because he's on a new team this year, a different offense, one that's probably you could argue more prolific than the one he was on, but similar. It's Percy Harvin who moves Mm. from the Vikings with Christian Ponder, young quarterback, great running back, maybe a weaker wide receiver core, to – Seattle, who's got a young read option type quarterback, probably better than Ponder, definitely better than Ponder, with a great running back in Lynch as opposed to Peterson. And then he's going to be the number one wide receiver there, and he'll be used in a bunch of different ways. And as of right now, his average ADP on ESPN.com is right around third round.
1: Yeah, twenty nine points. Well, it's almost the fourth round. Almost fourth. End of
0: the third, fourth round.
1: Now – I like Percy Harvin, um yeah, I guess this is a better offense than last year. you have to say, boy, it's a similar team though both had teams that run a lot uh, run a lot. you got a little bit of a mobile quarterback, although
0: obviously wilson is is better at that than Ponder is he's better he's had a better first year
1: than Ponder had for his two years. The interesting thing to me here with Percy Harvin is you're taking him, that's right about where I'd want him. I'm assuming at this point I would have drafted two running backs, and then if Percy Harvin's my number one wide receiver, I'm fine with that. Guys going after him like Roddy White and Andre Johnson, Vincent Jackson, I think I'd rather have Percy Harvin than all those guys. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald might be getting drafted a little bit low because he does have a quarterback this year. Uh, In theory. I don't love Palmer, but whatever. In theory, it's better Better than than anything he's had any time recently. The only thing that would make me think twice about this pick maybe would be I might like Randall Cobb better, and he's going a little bit later. He's going almost 10 picks later. So maybe here what you do is you take Percy Harvin and gamble that Cobb's still there. Uh, I and just try think to get both, and you got two running backs, and then you have Cobb and Parvin. Yeah, that'd be, I that'd would, be nice. I would take that in a heartbeat. Uh, we talked a little off the air about how we like the extra. Cobb's going to get four handoffs a game.
0: Which, and he might break
1: one. Right, and it's not a ton, but that's the same thing with Harvin. He's he's just a real dynamic player.
0: Especially with the read-option stuff Seattle's going to want to do. To be different and creative, they're going to line up Harvin in the backfield a few plays a game. No doubt in my mind.
1: That's right about where I'd want him. So I don't you, think he, I'm reaching. I'm not taking him in the second, uh, but mid to late third. I would take him maybe a little earlier than that. I think I'm taking him over Maurice Jones-Drew. Even I mean, I know it's different positions, but... I'm not taking Jones Drew ahead of Harvin. That yeah, I think that's right. That's just about right. All right, my first uh, guy, and some of these I actually went with two guys because they were right around the same area and kind of the similar questions, and that's David Wilson and Monty Ball. I figured that's where you were going when you said this. Um, they're both being drafted in the fourth round, one with the sixth, one with the seventh pick in that order. My question here is, you're drafting these guys, it means you're drafting them to be starters, or at worst, a flex. But if you're drafting them to be a flex, that means then your your second receiver is going to be kind of lousy. So, in and I guess the big question here is both of them are relatively unproven. David Wilson ended up in Coughlin's doghouse and really never got out of it last year. And Monty Ball is a rookie in Denver where they're going to throw the ball 600 times this year.
0: Here's what I'll say about Wilson. They had other guys, so it was okay to put him in the doghouse. I don't know that they have enough guys to punish him the way they did for a fumble here or a fumble a there. Or yeah. I think that – and I doubt he'll even do kickoffs this year right. because this is going to be, hey, this is our number one running back. We don't want to lose him doing that. I think he's right there. I'm going to say it's early for Ball because I haven't seen Ball at this level. I don't know what he can do. And – do you even I he's going to be the starter? That's what I was going to say. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up using three guys this year.
1: Like, what did Hillman do to not get a chance at this? Right. Yeah, that's um, – I guess maybe the bigger issue there is I, th- I think there's a bigger gap between the two than one pick.
0: I, I think. think it's too early for Bell – or Ball, excuse me, and I think it's about right for Wilson. All right. All right, my second one is – I. Going about where you went there, and that's Eddie Lacy, who right now is just about 7th round, late 6th, 7th in terms of ADP. And he's been the name. He was the first running back taken in the draft this year. Right. Monte has been more kind of talked about in terms of fantasy value, but this has been the next name. And I always talk about how I have this league that drafts rookies separate. So I'd imagine these are going to be the first two picks in a rookie mm, draft, yeah. which I'm sure your league doesn't do because it's no. a stupid idea. <laughs> but um, so I, that's why I kind of – this? This to me it screams too early. I don't want any part of this guy, but yeah, the it's prob- a great offense. That's the thing.
1: Right. And it's the type of thing where if they ever find a guy there, he'll have a lot of value. Uh, they've been looking for a guy, though, since what? Uh, Almost forever. Right. Dorsey Levins. <laughs> Well, who was there for what? I'm on green was okay there for a little while all right uh but yeah, since him uh Starks, people thought, oh, there's a guy to jump on and they had a guy after him last year, but i can't that I can't even remember already but the one thing I heard from guys that know more than me about college football is that this is this guy was a first rounder, but he's he's pretty average he doesn't do anything really special uh what do they call it? Three yards. I think
0: he fell out of the first round, right? Or did he? Get, oh
1: no, you're right. You might be right. He might have. He
0: was a rumored first rounder, but I yeah, was to say might be right. he fell out. But I'll look that up. You talk about him.
1: Yeah, I from, like I said, everything I've heard is just he's he's not he's nothing special. Uh, so I think what you almost have to hope for there is that Randall Cobb gets tackled at the one, and then rather than throwing it in, you bring in Eddie Lacy. I, I don't know. I just don't think, even if he is phenomenal, I don't think you can expect much more than 60 yards a game yeah, out of him. Yeah, he was the
0: 62nd, so. 61st pick in the draft from Alabama. And I think he's getting a little bit overrated because, he, you know, Trent Richardson and Mark Ingram. And Ingram is a guy you mentioned. Hey, where do you, what do you think about him? A little disappointing, maybe. Sure. But Richardson looks like a star, and maybe Lacey's getting a little overrated because he beat, helped beat up Notre Dame in Dep- the national championship game.
1: Depending on your league size, if you play one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, and a flex, then this is where you should be picking your flex. If you play three receivers and a flex like my, my league does, which makes it a little bit deeper, then you're picking a starter still at this point or you're weakening your third receiver. And I don't know that I'm comfortable. I'm definitely not comfortable with him as my number two running back. So, uh, And then the other thing is there's
0: already been rumors about Jonathan Franklin who's another guy they got out of UCLA, possibly being the better of the two running backs.
1: And if I'm picking for upside, and maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but I still might like Ryan Matthews better here. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, even in Indy. I mean, is there... A- I
0: probably like Lacey better than Bradshaw. Yeah. Just cause, but I, I'd probably give
1: Matthews another shot before I went with Lacey. Yeah, that's that's a tough spot, because that, that's a borderline that's a guy that has to start for you. I mean, definitely in bye weeks too. So to take a guy that hmm. I don't know. I imagine my opinion on him changes a lot between now and the start of the season. I bet you Yeah, let's keep an eye on him. Yeah. Uh my next guy is a guy I've never believed in. Uh he's made my bills look bad a couple times though, but who hasn't. That's Steven Ridley. He's being currently picked with about the I wrote round two pick one, but that's not right. No, it is. He's the twenty one point four ADP, so he
0: too, too early for me. Okay, there's that, no That's chance. round. That's late round two. There's so that's no closer to round three. Ch- pick there's one. no chance I'm drafting him
1: there. So round three pick one. Shane Vereen's gonna get too many carries. And at the running back spot, you're passing on guys like Frank Gore, Chris Johnson, Jones, Drew. Maybe that's right. Maybe I take him ahead of all those guys. I'm thinking for a league or for a year that running back is so top heavy. I think he starts where that cliff is. Like he's, where does he?
0: What where did you say his pick is?
1: He's twenty, so he's actually round three, pick one. He's twenty one point four.
0: So I already have two players on my team. Yeah, so maybe you want quarterback running back. One of back. them is Adrian Peterson, right? Because if you have the yes. first pick in round three, I had the first pick in round one.
1: Yeah, so you've got Peterson, and then let's say Calvin Johnson for argument's sake. Well, no, you're not going to have Johnson cuz you're going to have the 20th. Pick. Oh, that's right. So yeah. you'd have one and then two in a row, like 20 and 21. Right. So I okay,
0: so let's say I have Brandon Marshall. Okay. So I have a wide receiver and a running back. I'm probably going to if he's still there, I'd probably go Julio Jones and have the Marshall Julio Jones tandem. I think there's better value in that spot adding a second wide receiver than a second running back that's why i'm saying
1: it's too early for me maybe that's a scenario where i end up with like a david wilson because then you can draft a guy like david wilson to complement i mean you know what you're going to get in peterson he's going to have a monster year uh so you can afford to maybe gamble on a guy like wilson a little bit more
0: yeah i think based on value and that's what the the genesis of this was i think there's better value getting your second wide receiver in that spot than your second running back
1: Looking at that, that doesn't look like that bad a spot to draft. I mean, obviously, getting Peterson's great, but to end up with a Brandon Marshall, Julio Jones, or if you believe in Matt Forte still or somebody like that. Julio Jones
0: is a guy who might be a first-round pick if Roddy White didn't exist, right? Sure. The problem with that guy is there's weeks where it's a Roddy White week and vice versa, so you don't get as much. Right but he's still a guy
1: that's capable of catching time passes and two touchdowns every single week. Demarius Thomas is still on the board there probably if you want to reach a little bit. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, I'm going, Jimmy Graham if you want to go tight end there. I'm going with
0: my second wide receiver before my second
1: back. So. Yeah, I don't think I end up with Steven Ridley on any teams. Me neither.
0: Okay, so my last one is going to be for you, a guy who, whose value and where to draft is always debated, and that's Tony Romo, Ooh. who right now is probably going to be the last guy you can get if you wait a long time, or in the group, the last group of guys, if your if your strategy is I'm going to wait forever on quarterback, he's going to be at the beginning of round eight right now.
1: Or yeah, Tony Romo, round nine, end of
0: round eight, beginning of round nine.
1: Right. You know what? I took him there last year, and I don't think he burned me necessarily. He's going to throw a ton. I think he's great value there, actually. Yeah, I think that's about where you get him. I mean, you can, especially if your league. I don't have this sorted right now. I can just view by quarterback. Let me see, which that makes him the twelfth quarterback off the board. So in a twelve-team league, he's the last starter picked. Right with Roethlisberger and Manning, Manning's kind of
0: right board. on the cusp.
1: Right, I'd be fine with either of those guys at that point. Also, probably rather have Manning a little bit, but I guess that's the why they're being drafted too. I am a big fan of drafting depth before my quarterback
0: seven guys you can have on your roster and still get romo
1: yeah i love that idea i i would easily take it there i think he's a little higher than manning and roethlisberger because i think both of those teams try to be a little more balanced uh that's exactly where where i would take him you're you might even away, be able to wait on him if if you're in a team that if all three guys are still there maybe you wait
0: another round right would you be okay with any of those three Maybe Roethlisberger
1: the least. Yeah, the order they're in, Roethlisberger the least. I mean, I I had a league last year, where I I bounced Phil Rivers in and out of my lineup, and he was terrible. But the point is, is this is a year to wait on quarterbacks. I think was the point I was making here. Yeah, I'm not sure one goes in the first round with just how many running backs are there. And it'll maybe be Rodgers. I mean, maybe Breeze goes, maybe Brady, but I don't know. This will be an interesting year for Breeze too, because he's he'll probably be underdrafted a little bit. But uh, my last one is two wide receivers that are going very late for my thinking here, and that's Denario Alexander and Miles Austin. Denario Alexander, let me make sure I figure this out right because I'm not thinking straight as far as these go. He was 91, so he is the so 90 picks gone. He'd be the first pick. No. He's 93.6 as his ADP, so he's the third pick of the 10th round. Right, Miles Austin right behind him, 94.5. I
0: really still believe a lot in Miles Austin and the Cowboys offense in general, having just mentioned. I'm happy with getting Murray, getting Bryant, getting Austin, getting Romo. I think all those guys have really good fantasy value. So I'm going to definitely say I almost think – that that's a little late for him. That he might play a little bit better than that. Not crazy because Bryant is such a talent, and Witten is going to take balls, and Austin can or Murray can catch some balls too if he needs to. Right.
1: But I like Miles a lot. Who is the other guy? Denario Alexander, who who San Diego saved me in a league last year. He had seven touchdowns in the final ten games of last year. Now the the. Worry here is probably similar to the worry about Austin. Is Daenerys Alexander's had knee problems, but That's he played real, for 10 games real last year. late
0: in the draft to get a guy who's arguably the number, the number one, one on a team with a really good quarterback. Is You know, if you're still saying that right. Philip Rivers is a really good quarterback, right. and his stock has
1: dropped a little bit in fantasy and on the field. But in a spot where other people are drafting the Texans' defense, according to these ADPs. Uh, or Giovanni Bernard from Cincinnati, although I don't know who that is. Maybe he's some rookie with some upside. Isaac Pede from St. Louis. You know, like, I like to draft for upside, so to get a running back in the rough type thing is awesome, but these guys are starters. They're one, two guys. Like Who is the Bengal? Giovanni Bernard. I, I don't know who that is. He's just some running back. He's probably a rookie that I should. Right, so he's... The guy who's pushing Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, he's a rookie from North Carolina. Sure. Running back, yeah. So, I mean, maybe Bernard is a guy I like to take a flyer on, but if I'm Over looking, a number one wide receiver? Well, no, probably not there. Right. I mean, these guys are ones, or like Miles Austin is a two in an offense that is good. I I was surprised to see how low these guys are. I, mean, I
0: probably would rather have Austin, but barely... And I will uh, these could be guys that will end up on a lot of my teams. If yeah, that's I think really so too. where they're going to be drafted.
1: Yeah, if these guys are going in the 10th round and they're my third backup, maybe I've already drafted my upside running backs or two at that point. And yeah, I could see these guys ending up on a lot of my teams.
0: Well, let us know what you thought about this gimmick. Email us
1: <laughs> at sportscasters at gmail.com
0: and let us know if there's some kind of gimmick you want us to try next week or maybe we trot this out again or do something different. But we're definitely going to do five on fantasy next week. We'll be right back with Alex Papadimus. Our next guest is in Los Angeles, California, and is a staff writer for Bill Simmons, Grantland.com. He is joining us today to remember James Gandolfini and talk about some other issues in pop culture. A warm sportscasters welcome for the very first time to Alex Papadimus. Did I guess right on that? Because that was a guess.
2: Um, you guessed absolutely right. No one ever, uh, you know, no one ever gets that <laughs> on the first try. So is that is that Greek? Congratulations.
0: Origin? Is that a Greek
2: name? Yes, it is.
0: Now, this is my experience with people who have Greek heritage. Generally, tend to be really into being Greek go back to greeks a lot you know uh really talk greek at home and and get involved in the greek community things like that is that true of your your family or is that like more of a buffalo greek thing
2: um i think it might be well i might be, i don't know if it's a buffalo greek thing um i, I don't uh i was not really it was not, was not really raised in a, a really uh, intensely greek uh household um it's interesting cuz i know i know what you mean because I used to, uh, when I lived in Boston, I used to get a lot of letters from um, Greek real estate agents sort of saying, like, when it's time to sell your house. <laughs> and I was, of course, I was living in a, you know, like a, a $600 a month apartment at that time and had no, did not own any property of any kind. But it was, when it's, when you're ready to sell your house, like, come with me, come with, you know, you know, like Spiro, Spirodakis or whatever, the realty, you know, it was always like, keep it in the family. There was this sort of the, the message. But um yeah, no, It's uh, it was never, it was not a huge, uh, you know, it was not a hugely traditional household.
0: Yeah, for me. um, here, really big, I like going out to the Greek restaurants after the bars. You know, like the Greek restaurants are always open, either 24 hours or super late, you know, so right away, it's like, get to the Greek restaurants after, you can get breakfast, you can get dinner, whatever you want. That's really big. We got Alton's, you know, like these are the names, like things like that, and, um, but yeah, um, Very cool. So, tell me a little bit about Grantland. Like, you generally on Grantland, you stick to the pop culture aspect of the website. Is that where your background is? I mean, do you have any background in sports, or did you come to Grantland specifically to do pop culture, and that's why they they sought you out? Um,
2: I have zero background in sports. Uh, So, yeah, no, I was not. uh, There was no expectation that uh, I would have anything to do with the sports side of things. Um, I I did a a football column during last season, uh, which was the first sports thing I've ever done in my life. I just have no, you know. Uh, that was never an issue. I think there was a moment. I, I think my, I, you know, my interview when I sort of interviewed for the job when I was talking to Bill, there was a moment at the end of the conversation, like towards, you know, like two thirds of the way in, where he's like, "Do you like sports?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "That's okay." You know, so I, I, I don't think, that, you know, there's so many people on staff who know so much more than me about it. I don't think they're worried about that. I came in just to do pop culture stuff. um... I had, uh, I'd worked with a, a number of the people who sort of uh, were on the first. Uh, the initial staff of Grantland, and uh, most most closely, I would worked with uh, the executive editor of the site, Dan Fairman uh, at GQ magazine, and so he uh, sort of uh, plucked me for like the kind of in the second year of of Grantland after it had been up for a while.
0: Well, I'm excited to talk to you about because this isn't this is generally a sports show, obviously being called the sportscasters, but especially in this time of the year when there's not as much sports going on, especially after last night with the NHL ending and basketball ending last week. It's really slow. And we like to do different things. I mean, we've had Duff McKagan on the show. We've done some really crazy stuff like that. But both of us, both of the hosts, and it's just me right now, but we both really lo- are co- loved the Sopranos when we were in college. We used to go to the mailbox every Tuesday because that's about when the tape would come because we didn't have access to HBO at school. So we would always, my mom would always send me the tape from Sunday's episode. And I've been hearing all kinds of stuff since uh, James Gandolfini passed away. All kinds of different opinions about Sopranos. Seems like one prevailing opinion is that looking back now on The Sopranos, people are almost having a renewed appreciation for it. Or an appreciation that maybe waned a little bit since all these great shows that have emerged since it. You know, like Breaking Bad and Mad Men and Lost to some degree and The Wire, which was even post-Sopranos. It's like we kind of forgot really how important and how revolutionary and how great the Sopranos was. And it seems like there's been a little bit of renewed appreciation for the show. Have you felt that a little bit?
2: Oh yeah. No, I mean, I I, I wrote about this in the thing that I I wrote about Gandolfini for, for Grantland. And I don't, I wasn't the only person who said it. I don't think, I, I think in the, in the kind of intervening years, it, Became it became almost like it was the cool kind of iconoclastic thing to say to be like ah the Sopranos what it's it's that's it's Maudlin it's you know whatever it, it, to kind of do, it, say it, pick something else and be like actually the real you know it's it, it's really about it's all about Breaking Bad it's all about The Wire you know all these shows that you, all those shows that you named are amazing but I think like you know the important thing is that the Sopranos kind of did it first I mean they didn't invent that kind of novelistic TV storytelling and they didn't invent Anti-hero protagonist or anything like that, but it was the first time that they had somebody had done that and had both sort of that uh, that much creative success and that much commercial success with one thing. It's just there's just a before and after in television with that show, and I think also I mean a big part of it. And I said this too. The thing like. It, it, the whole conversation became about the finale, right? The finale right. sort of almost just shuts down every other thing about it. It's the same with it's the same with Lost. Like this, the verdict on Lost has a lot to do with the way people feel about that last episode and whether or not they stuck that landing and the feeling that you know a lot of people were sort of dissatisfied by the way Lost ended. And so Lost is remembered kind of in the short term as this ultimately unsatisfactory TV show. You know, even though people sort of, in the moment as it was happening, were really sort of, you know, it was like, it really caught up in it. It Like, it, it kind of telescopes the conversation down to just being about, like, oh, I didn't like that room with all the different religious symbols. I didn't like that it was purgatory, you know, or whatever. I guess I just spoiled Lost. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's purgatory. We don't um, do
0: the spoiler thing here. Just
2: go ahead. Yeah, just sort of, yeah. yeah, spoilers on for the rest of the right. conversation. But And I think that happened with The Sopranos, too. I think it became, it, everybody was just focused on you know, how it ended and like picking out the details and being like, oh, you know, this and this, like these little visual clues in this shot mean that Tony dies at the end or like, you know, that he lives or, you know, anything like that. And as much as like, that's an interesting conversation to have, like that's certainly something worth discussing, like how that sort of, how that finale kind of, you know, how David Chase sort of closed the book on the themes that he was pursuing throughout the whole show with that finale. Like, you know you just forget that there's however many six seasons of you know amazing television that like almost doesn't i mean you know people it's not that people have stopped talking about it cuz i know like the you know the onion like they had that one of those rewatch kind of things like it it gets looked at that way but it's it it's just it was interesting to me to kind of think about as people were suddenly reappreciating The Sopranos and sort of writing about it in the wake of his death, I think it did. You know, you you could see you know people acknowledging that. Okay, maybe we've been having we've been focused on the wrong aspects of this thing. But I think also there's a, you know there's a couple like uh, Brett Martin who I used to work with at GQ has a book coming out called Difficult Men that's all about like yeah,
0: I've been hearing a lot about that. that.
2: Yeah, it comes out in July. I mean, it's obviously like he's you know, <laughs> it's it's a weird time to be putting out this book suddenly. You know, I think like. You know, but that has a lot of David Chase stuff and a lot of Soprano stuff in it, and you know, um, there's, a, there's a few, you know, that are sort of, like, that are making the rounds. So people are kind of looking at that, you know, because I guess, what's the, what was the, you know, the anniversary? It's coming up, right? Something like that. I forget, like, what the, there was, like, a 10-year anniversary, something like that. Yeah.
0: You know, um, I heard a little bit of uh, Simmons talking to, I think it was Greenwald and Seppinwald on a podcast. I don't know if you heard any of this, but... The one thing I
2: was in there the day that they were doing it but I didn't actually get to hear it yet. I was just sort of Yeah, that, I mean it, that that conversation went over and I had to do my podcast afterwards. Um so but, yeah, go ahead. The
0: the one thing I took from it one was I really enjoyed how much uh credit they gave the show. It's it's almost the origin of what I said about how it seems like now looking back the show's getting a little bit of a renewed um renewed appreciation but the one thing i guess that was hard for me to agree with and maybe it's just as kind of an apologist for the show or someone who's maybe a little bit too fanboy for it is that the main complaint it seemed like definitely that simmons had and it seemed like greenwall and uh seppenwall mostly agreed with them is that the show was too fat that they thought that the story that was told could have been told in a significantly smaller amount of time and that they thought a lot of episodes were just kind of given away and that they dragged it out and I think one storyline that was pointed to was the Johnny Cakes thing that that was kind of unnecessary but I don't know I don't remember I mean sure every show there's an episode that it's not going to be a five star episode every single week that's impossible but I never felt like there was huge chunks of the show that I'd want to take out. I don't know, what do you think about that kind of complaint about the show? And, and that's preface with them saying, you know, we're talking about a top five show here, and we're nitpicking for the sake of trying to separate the top five, and I understand that part of it.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, well, I think it's, it's – it's it's there's two different things. I wonder – like I haven't – you know, after after he died and when I was writing this, I went back to it watched a couple of episodes sort of to, you know – Dig out certain things and kind of get the feeling and everything. And of course, what I want to do is rewatch it from the beginning. And I wonder if rewatching it from the beginning, I wonder if that stuff, because I found I remember watching it like watching it live, like week to week, and you know, sort of, and that uh, that whole New Hampshire thing, that whole Johnny Cakes thing, just being interminable and just sort of being like, come on, you know, like we know what's going to happen eventually. Like we know this guy's just going to, they're going to find him and he's going to get whacked. Like that's you know, whatever. And like it's not this is a character that we've kind of been, you know. It's it, it just seems so much like uh, why are we spending time with this dude? You know, as interesting as that story is, like you know, a gay mobster, like that's a you know crazy setup for a story. Like, there's so many other characters that we want closure on, and like the clock is ticking. And it I remember it being really frustrating. I wonder if now, sort of knowing, you know, watching like because you know when you watch something in big chunks, like different things kind of come to the fore and, like, things that are annoying from week to week, like, you know, when you can just get into the next one, I think you don't mind those kind of, like, you know, as you said, like, you know, given-away episodes almost. Like, they're sort of, like, it's a, you know, it's, it's a it's a pause within the thing rather than, like, you know, a no- here's a week where nothing happens, and that's annoying and I have to wait another week now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, there is... It, I think also like you knew around season six like you there was I forget exactly when it happened but like Chase was ready to sort of do the last season and HBO threw a bunch of money at him right, right? and was like yep. keep it make it longer so there's a there's a point where they they you can feel them kind of starting to stretch stories and I think that's the one thing that sort of you know it, it it's weird because that's you know.
0: I think it's season six, part Some of these, six, sometimes these shows one. are
2: affected by these, like, business factors, you know? Like, I think, like, Breaking Bad is probably, it's wrapping up sooner than, it, you know, it, like, it maybe was supposed to, you know? Like, they're sort of, like, obviously, I think, right. he's, you know, Vince Gilligan's figured out a way to kind of close it down, but, like, that had to do with a bunch of, like, AMC business stuff, um, you know, and, like, things that are, you know, the not worth summarizing, but all kinds of negotiations and all this sort of, like, money around Mad Men and everything, you know? But I think, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't, those, those weaknesses are sort of like every show has that to me, you know, there's something, there's some like fatal flaw, in all. not, not fatal, but there's a non-fatal flaw in like all of these, you know, even these, the greatest shows have like, you know, some little thing that's just kind of just, you know you know the the, the imperfection that uh, you know makes the statue not a mockery of God or whatever
1: <laughs>
0: yeah you know I think for The Sopranos it's season 6 part 1 which kind of felt like a long setup for season 6 part 2 for the most part
2: 6 part 1 is it starts with the the, the, the shooting is the beginning right Right. Like, that's, that's 6 part 1 yeah and, and then, then once
0: he's kind of alive from there it feels kind of like a slow build to, uh, we have to save most of this for part 2 you know what I mean
2: yeah, I love those, the, the, the coma dream episodes, but I think, like, it, it, you know, I, I'd have to look back at it. But 6 Part 1 is also, that's where Johnny Cakes is, right? Like, that's that whole... Because, like, I, I remember seeing I remember seeing Vito in those, in those coma dream episodes, and, like, there's that moment where he kind of hits on Finn in the hospital, and I was sort of like, oh, what, he's still... I forgot when that actually happened. Like, he's still around. I was like, they really dragged that out. Well, yeah, because Season 5 was the season
0: with... Um with uh, Bushami. yeah, right. So and that and I'm pretty sure Johnny kicks happened post. Yeah, yeah. And I remember five, dies. I
2: remember really liking Five, and I remember I like the way Five ends. You know, I like that. Like you know, uh, that that uh, Five ends with like the, the Van Morrison song when he actually finally kills Uh, uh Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm looking at Wikipedia.
0: now. Yeah, I was looking too. So what it like? I guess I've always kind of debated with myself, and I came real late to the wire. The wire was well done airing before I seen an episode, but to me, with the big shows, and there's a couple that I like that I don't expect anyone else to like. Like I'm a huge A-team guy, and that's silly. I don't expect anyone to think that the A-team is better than any of these shows, but I yeah, still. Yeah, I think that's gonna be an uphill battle, right? right. I, you know, that's just more of a nostalgic, youthful connection that I'm never gonna let go. And I love Parenthood. I think it's. One of the best shows that's ever aired on network TV, but again, I, I don't think that I'm going to win a lot of people with that either. Uh, but, um, for, but if I'm being realistic, I you know I always say it's the Wire or The Sopranos, and I guess I, I I like The Sopranos a little bit more because there isn't a season that I dislike in The Sopranos as much as I dislike season five of The Wire, which I just couldn't stand the newspaper angle, even though I thought. Maybe when I heard about which each season was kind of about, I guess I thought that that's the one I would like the most, just because of my interest in media. But that kind of fell flat for me a little bit. I just I, maybe I just didn't like the writers um, at the newspaper, or something just didn't work for me on that. And that's why I give the Sopranos a little bit of an edge over it. But what about for you? Where does what, what what's kind of the gold standard for you?
2: I mean, you know, it's hard. I don't. I, there's a lot of like first among equals for me. You know, because I, I think I see, the you know, the, they they all do something different really well. I know this sounds really weaselly. I just don't really have, like, a you know, I don't have, like, a number one. I mean, like, I, I think you can't overstate the importance of the Sopranos. Like, you almost kind of have to take it out of the conversation and you're figuring out who's, who's number two. It's just, like, it did all those things first. You know, it just kind of, like, it... it, it you know, and like you can go back, like, you know, there's a show called Wise Guy that's kind of credited with popularizing like the arc storytelling format in, you know, TV drama, like network TV drama. And that's, that's a great show and it's on DVD and yeah, anybody who's never seen it should totally watch it. If you're looking for something to watch now that there's no TV, um, it's 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 kind of great and like it, it's really surprisingly undated given that it's from the 80s. Um, He's like a different, you know, he's a, a, a organized crime task force guy who kind of goes undercover in a different uh, sort of uh, scenario for about, like, ten episodes at a time. Um, it's great. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think Mad Men is amazing. I think Mad Men's just like, you know, a, a lot of people don't like this season. I think, that, you know, this is a season that if you go back and look at it, I think people will feel differently about this, like when they sort of, like, watch the whole thing, you know? Like, we were talking about this last night, but it doesn't have it doesn't have those outstanding individual sort of episodes that are just, you know, like like kind of perfect self-contained thing. Like, like the previous season of Mad Men did, but like, I think the whole sweep of the thing is actually like, I think it's going to end up being, you know, revisited, underrated. Um, I don't know if I answered your question at all. Now, um, you know, I was w- One thing that really interested me like, about what you said is
0: the idea of kind of taking the Sopranos out, like almost like it's hard to judge against that because I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, like an off-the-charge Pearl Jam fan. I've been to like 70 shows. And, and when I evaluate music, I always have two categories. It's evaluating Pearl Jam against Pearl Jam and then everything else against everything else because for me, I just can't. I can't say that whatever my f- my favorite non-pro jam song. I don't know where to put that in terms of where it compares to me in terms of my you know how I would rank my pro jam songs or whatever. So I kind of really like what you said about that. You know what I mean? But
2: Well, yeah, you have to take your personal preference out of the equation almost, right? Like right. you have to uh, like it, it, because there are certain things that you know you can say this is the most important band but it's not my favorite band you know like right. and i think that's like you can't actually and i think people sometimes you know mistake, make that mistake in either direction you know when you're talking about you know that's why the conversation of you know i, I like I, I think like the sopranos is empirically the most important like do i like mad men better yes probably like you know from like right now if you know I might say that but like you know at the same time like I recognize that like you know Matthew Weiner absolutely went to the University of David Chase like you can sort of directly say that there's no Mad Men uh without the Sopranos you know like yeah. in so many ways. So, ca-
0: oh sorry I was just going to reset towardscasters here with A- Alex Papademos who you can find on Twitter at Papademos P A P P A D E M A S. Um we're talking about all kinds of different things kind of bouncing around here but um I kind of admitted to you my deep love for the A team, you got any guilty pleasures over there? So yeah. I don't feel bad.
2: <laughs> I have no. I um. I I have no guilty pleasures. I don't believe in the, uh, the, the the concept of you know feeling feeling bad about those things just because so much of you know the things that I've enjoyed throughout my life is just that you know the I, I think uh, Stephen King calls it the Siren Song of crap. Um, I did so much of that stuff just like you know it. Are uh, things that you know uh, people actually don't like. Um, I just you know I just spent a bunch of money on like old uh, New Mutants comics at uh, a convention over the weekend. You know, and, and those are those are objectively kind of terrible, but uh, they're also wonderful. So.
0: What are you going to do uh, all summer now? You know, Madman's over. I mean, and because I'm wondering this, you know, as a sports fan who spent so much time in the last few months watching the NBA, the NHL final, playoffs and finals, and you know, are you going to get into Big Brother at all? I mean, what? Obviously we got Breaking Bad coming up, but that's not until August. What's going to get you kind of through the nights here in the next couple of months? What's on your radar um, that might not be on mine? Anything you can tip me off or our listeners off to?
2: I would I would love to say that I'm I'm going to read books. Um, <laughs> that might happen, but uh you know, I have a 3-year-old and a and a short attention span, and so like I you know, realistically probably not. Um I have uh, I have the Kardashians every Sunday. That's very right. important. Speaking of yeah, non guilty pleasures, with, with like things that I don't believe. Uh, you know, if I believed in guilty pleasures, that would certainly be a good answer. But like you know, so I have that, and that's actually like you know my Sunday nights. People who are so, like you know Game of Thrones is over, Mad Men's over, but like I still have you know like every Sunday night I got to be you know watching and uh, recapping and everything.
0: What would you uh, think I of the name? To
2: turn that into a job. <laughs> what but. did you
0: think of the name Northwest?
2: uh you know uh, that i think uh they're gonna they're gonna live to regret that or the kid <laughs> is gonna live to regret that um yeah. i don't know i mean it's but I, I like that people are suggesting like oh man they gave that kid such a weird name that kid's life is going to be totally weird now like as if that would serve sort of, like that's the one thing that would yeah, make everything it else strange, is normal. you know yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just, I, I yeah i don't I, I i don't know i don't know it's um It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's sort of, you know, like how long, you know, maybe they'll stay together forever. I don't know. It's, you know, it's like... I think I might have felt differently about it before I I heard Jesus, and you know, I mean, maybe you have to decide if Jesus is something that he's getting out of his system, or if Jesus is like the the person that he actually is. Now, when um, Scott Disick, you
0: know, oh, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you
2: off. Not qualified to answer that question.
0: <laughs> when Scott Disick comes on the screen, my eyes get bigger. I, I that's compelling television to me, and maybe <laughs> when his uh, significant other is on the screen, I kind of go to the iPod and or iPad and see what's on there for a minute. Uh, who are the, who kind of, and we got some new characters this year with Bruce, uh, Bruce's other kids that are on there and in the mix who kind of like steals the show for you and who kind of puts you to sleep a little bit. Cause there's so many different stories, especially when it's, uh, keeping up with the Kardashians specific.
2: Yeah, keeping up is more fun because it has all the the, the they're all in the picture, and you can right. have you know so like it, 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 th- there's always something going on. I think like the Miami one is sort of you know like when the, the offs are t- tend to be a little bit you know it's a, it's a harder job to 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 recap them. Not that that is ever really a hard job, but uh, yeah, I love the Lord. I'm a big fan of the Lord. I have to admit that, that like I it, he he somehow won me over in the course of this thing. Like I've really I've some you know gone gone. Native, like I, that worries me more in a way than the fact that I, you know, like I was, I, I'm a big Chloe fan in terms of the family. I think Bruce's kids are generally pretty terrible. I find Brandon and Leah pretty intolerable. I think like I've, I've been meaner to them in the recap than I have to any of the actual Kardashians. Um, But I do like the, I I like the sort of the, 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 you know, we're talking about arc storytelling and I I feel like this is, even though it's a reality show, it's so scripted and it actually kind of has, you know, story arcs that you can talk about the way that you talk about arcs in a dramatic series. And I like the the storyline of... Bruce goes off and starts, like, his own, like, side family with his actual kids. And, you know, like, clearly, if they're not actually getting divorced, they are clearly estranged, Bruce and Chris. And so, like, they have this, like, you know... I like the episode where Bruce gets his little pad in Malibu, and he's like, I'm just going to hang out with, like, you know, my biological kids and, like, kind of gradually sort of extricate myself from this thing. But, of course, no one can actually get out of it. You know, it's like The Sopranos. It's like you can't, you know, they... Th- there's not a life possible outside of this this weird bubble, and bad things happen to you when you go off by yourself. But yeah, the uh, like Brandon and Leah are, uh, they're, they're they're I think they'd probably be the worst so far the the addition. I'm I'm excited about Kendall and Kylie sort of coming to the fore. I think like that's it's going to be interesting to see like how what kind of people they turn out to be. Like if they're sort of like if they learn something from the experience of having been. Kardashians kind of from a young age, or if like it just sort of completely poisons their minds.
0: One last issue I want to cover with you, and then I'll let you go. I could do this all day, but we got to cut it off at some point. And I know you probably have other things you wanted to do today and talk to me all day, but um, here's the thing that that kind of I don't know if I can do it anymore, and that's going through renewals. Like, I don't know if I can pick up new shows anymore, I don't know if I want to watch TV anymore unless I'm catching up unless there's a guaranteed amount of episodes there i mean i told you that i love parenthood and every year i have to go through this you know is there going to be another season is there not and i guess at this point i'm good we got at least five seasons plus so it's okay if, if it has to end it has to end that's all right we got what we deserved and with it Adip-
2: done now is that still going no on we got another
0: year work? for sure so in a full order to a full 22 next year so okay. That's exciting for me. And then, like, I went through this with Ed, like, a bunch of years ago. Like, every year was like, am I going to get more Ed or not? And Chuck was like this. You know, and this year for me, it was Vegas. I got sucked into that early. I really loved it. I, 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 to me it's like, was the XFL of television shows where it started great. And then, like, every other week it got worse and worse and worse and it was more obvious that it was never coming back after this year was over. And, um, I don't know if I can do it anymore. I think, like, I like The Good Wife and I like parenthood i know i have those and there's all kinds of other stuff that obviously i watch but i don't know if i i'm gonna pick up anything new anymore until there's this at least guaranteed amount of fulfillment that will be there what do you think about that
2: well yeah it's weird because i've it, it, like we've had um I have like six episodes or however many there were of that show rectify kind of sitting on my DVR and like I'm waiting for somebody to tell me to pull the trigger on that, you know, and actually watch it, you know, and I think that happens with a lot of things. Like I finally started I started Orphan Black, which is this uh, BBC show about uh, clones. Um, that's, that's pretty good. Like it's not, uh, you know, it, 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 like I'm, I'm only one episode in, so I don't really know where it goes yet. So I'm kind of like, you know, but I, I waited on that until somebody was like, oh, you really, you should, you know, you should watch that. I feel like people, you know, in, in general, like, it's like, it's like the way in comics now, like people will sort of like wait for the, uh, trade paperback to come out rather than buying single issues, you know, like you'll sort of wait to see if like, oh, is this going somewhere? And like, I'll get like the first storyline or something and kind of see how that, how that goes. I mean, Vegas was weird because I think I started watching that. and I was like, "Hey, this is pretty good, actually." And then I I met somebody who worked on it, and like I was like, "Oh, that's a I I watched the first two episodes of that show. That seems it seems like it's it's great, and like it, the the person basically told me like uh, it's probably not gonna last. <laughs> like, like, and I forget like what the explanation. Well, was Well, it was exactly, totally on the network. Like, oh, what does Den- Dennis Quaid wants too much money or something? And she was like, "No, no, it's something else. Some kind of there was it was some sort of can I give thing you my about, theory? Uh, some businessy thing."
0: My theory is just that first of all it 's a period piece, so it was expensive. You could tell that the network had a significant investment to put each show out, like you know elaborate designs and costumes and all that. But the problem was is it never had a time slot It started out Tuesdays at ten. And It was there for a bit. That's probably what was most successful. Then it was like bounce to Thursdays and then Fridays and then even a Saturday once. It was just and it was never on two weeks in a row. There was a big gap because CBS had something the NCAA tournament maybe took it off of Thursdays for a bit. And I just I yeah. don't think people could find it.
2: Yeah, I mean that that you know I, that's happened with many. You know, as, as somebody who kind of likes a lot of just you know, Colby has always I've, that's always been the stuff that I liked and the stuff that I liked has always been you know suffering through sort of time slots. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of, like, the way that I sort of, you know, experience television is shaped by being a Twin Peaks fan in the 90s and, like, an obsessive, like, rabid, crazy Twin Peaks fan, like, in the you know, when that was actually on TV and sort of going through watching it be moved like I know what all the bad time slots are still because that's like and they're still the same bad time slots like because Twin Peaks was on in all of them you know it was on sort of like opposite the good Thursday shows like you know sort of like right you know before must-see TV really started but like it was still kind of it just got crushed on Thursdays. they put it on Saturdays when nobody's at home watching TV like you know you just have to I think you you have to you have to commit to these things you have to you know got to throw your heart into it even if you risk you know having it broken I think Gotta just go, just, you know, just just do it. There'll be something else along in a while. You'll get over it.
0: All right. Well, it's Alex Pepidemus from grantland.com, who you can find in the Hollywood Prospectus portion of the website. He does podcasts, columns. You can find him on Twitter at Papadimos. P A yeah. P P A D E M A S. And let's leave on this. So we kind of talked about how we're both a little bit excited for the Breaking Bad, and we talked about endings and how you think back. We talked about it with Lost and Sopranos. So let me ask you this: as kind of a last thing. If you could write the last episode of Breaking Bad and end it in your opinion the perfect way to end what has really been a brilliant show, what would what would we see on our TV?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't know. It, it's whatever. Like, it, it's something that I wouldn't be able to think of. That's the thing. It's like it's a way that you know, like, because it's like The Sopranos. It's like you're like, oh, well, either Tony gets shot. And, you know, you see, like, the aftermath of him getting shot or, like, he goes to jail or whatever. Like, it's, you know, I don't think anyone thought of, like, you know, he'll sit down in a diner and eat some onion rings and you won't, you'll be, have the rest of your life to think about whether or not, like, you know, that happened. Like, whether or not he's about to die or is about to live a whole life and not, you know, just sort of be paranoid for the rest of his life. Like, that's an amazing ending. Like, you know, I'm, I... I just, I, I feel like it's sort of, you know, it's a, it, it's, it's a mug's game speculating on like what these things are, how these things are actually going. to end. I love that I have no idea like why Walter White is, you know, has, has a beard and he is, is eating breakfast on right. his birthday in a crappy diner with a rocket launcher in his car. <laughs> like, that's amazing. I don't like, I don't even want to think about like why that is because I know that whatever I would come up with, you know. I think that's the other problem with that's the other thing that happened with Lost it's like by the time they got to the end everyone had sort of like gamed out every possible scenario and thought of things that they could never do on television and sort of like things that were you know like every possible ending had been sort of you know discussed um so I I I don't know I mean like what do you want do you want him to get away do you want him to die like what's the you know
0: well it's 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 really difficult because I knew with Tony I didn't want him to die and I didn't want him to get busted by the FBI like, I would almost right. accept anything but those two things, and I would have accepted dying a little ahead of the FBI winning. Because just for whatever reason, even though the FBI is technically the good guys on that show, to me, they're always the bad guys. You know what I mean? It's just weird. I don't know why.
2: Right. So you, you wanted him to get killed by his own people. Right. Or by the mafia. You right. Know, if, some he, aspect if he had, the had the mafia, to die, like
0: do it that way. Yeah. Because that, I think, is what he would want the most, you know, living his code to the end. And, you know, he could accept that in a way. You know, and he always talked about how he just wanted to get his kids through high school and then he'd be alright with whatever happened. But you never wanted him to end. And in this show, I don't know if I have I, – I like Walter White, but he has went so bad in the last couple of seasons that that is kind of one. I – they have he's convinced me a bit to, to that he shouldn't be an hero. You know, he's convinced me in a way that I don't think David Chase could convince me about Gandolfini quite as easily. So I guess – I guess I'm open for anything. I guess I'm kind of like you. I guess I can't think of a – I guess whatever I would say, I I guarantee he can think of something better. And I'm willing to accept whatever, I guess. There's no, like, ending that I won't want to accept. Like with Sopranos, I wouldn't have wanted his door being kicked in at 4 in the morning and him dragged out by a grinning FBI member with an Italian last name or something.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, you don't want Agent Harris triumphant. At the right. End of those, no. You know, God, no. The whole thing yeah no i don't i i I don't know but that's the you know that's that's the the fun part about it i mean it's the fun- it's sort of like you know the way mad men ended it's like I have no clue what they're gonna do now, you know, and like that's you know that's that's the best you can hope for i think from these things
0: well Alex, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I hope I didn't keep you too long. And
2: no you're you're very welcome can i uh, can i can I, talk I was my just podcast? gonna say yeah, yeah is there
0: anything else you wanted that I didn't quite get to yeah definitely go for it
2: uh, no it just uh it's called it's uh you can get it uh just search my name on grantland it's called do you like prince movies it's me and Wesley morris talking about uh movies and music and tv and stuff like that um, and if you enjoyed this conversation at all you will probably enjoy the podcast because it's uh, and the, the latest uh, one is... the mouth exactly like I've been doing for the last you know, half hour. So.
0: Right, and the latest one is more on Gandolfini.
2: The latest one is Gandolfini, right. uh, you know, and there's, you know, we are usually, usually the, you know, whatever the big movie that comes out on Friday, we're talking about it on Monday. Um, although, we tend to go off topic. So, well, Alex, thank you so uh, much.
0: I hope we can do this again, man.
2: Oh, yeah, no, you're very welcome.
0: And definitely check out the podcast, as you said, Do You Like Prince Movies? You can find it iTunes, Grantland, Hollywood Prospectus on Grantland. Um, great columns that we had. Gandolfini column. He did something on The Roots, which we didn't get to, but maybe next time. And like you said, all kinds of movie stuff. And a Kardashian's recap every week. So
2: thanks, whether, man. Yeah, whether people want it or not. <laughs> thanks so much, bud.
0: All right, big ups to Alex Papadimus and Lee Jenkins for being on the podcast today. Don't forget, you can find our podcast on our website, www.sports-casters.com. You can also find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. And you can email us to sportscasters at gmail.com. One more episode next week before a couple weeks off for summer vacation. And we should have Greg Cassell on the program next week. And also, I think we're going to go with a hockey guest kind of close out the NHL season like we did close out the NBA season with Lee Jenkins today.
1: All right, one more thing for me this week, and that's Patrick Kane. Uh, I've done a 180 on him. I, I think in the past, especially living in Buffalo, a lot of people were just kind of expected to root for him because he's a local guy, but he always came off kind of... Uh, Punkish. Yeah, a little little douchey or something. I mean, not, not to call him names or anything, but he just... Uh, didn't make a lot of good decisions. Like you said, a punk, whatever. I've, I've changed my opinion of him, and I think I'm going to give him a pass for a lot of this stuff. I mean, the cab incident isn't a good mark, but he was just young. He's a young kid. He's still a young kid, but you could tell he's grown even in the short time since the last championship. He said all the right things during the lockout. Uh, after winning the Stanley Cup last night, he first went out of his way to compliment his goalie after they asked him about the con Smythe saying Crow got robbed. And uh, I just completely turned around on him. I know people around here know him that have played with him and they all root for him. So he must be a good guy and uh, good for him. I, I've done a 180 on him, kind of like my LeBron, our LeBron hate or whatever. I've right. done a complete, 180
0: on, on Pat Kane. People forget Patrick Kane's 24. I mean, he's a 1988 birth year. Yeah. And this is a guy who, in 2007, so he's not even 20 yet. You know, he's the first pick in the NHL draft. He went right to the NHL. You know, by age 24, he has two Stanley Cups. He's one of four U.S.-born players now to win a Conn Smythe. He's played in the Olympics, been a first liner on the U.S. Olympic team. It's a lot to take. Early and also he was out in Chicago living in Trump Tower as a rich kid at a young age and I don't know if I could have handled that at that age and you know if he got out of it with a little bit of a hearsay at this bar or that bar and and, and an admittedly bad taxi cab thing which I'm sure he made good on in one way or another with that taxi driver I'm proud I'm proud that he's from where we're from yeah I'm, I'm into it I'm
1: glad I can I feel comfortable rooting for him now. All right, one last thing for the show today.
0: Wow, Detroit, not good. Actually, when I just said that, I bet people listening from Detroit said, oh, no, what is he going to talk about? There's probably (laughs) a lot of things that can come after not good Detroit. But Detroit, you call yourselves Hockey Town. And I think that nickname has to be taken away because there's no way you can be Hockey Town and have your NBC affiliate not broadcast Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals in your local market. It doesn't get much worse than that. I knew that Seattle wasn't broadcasting the finals on NBC, that that affiliate wasn't picking it up. Sure. And I, at first I was like, no big deal, Seattle, what kind of hockey market is that? Then I realized, well, that's the city that comes up the most for Phoenix. And maybe that's not a place where Bettman wants to take hockey if they're not even interested in watching his cup final. But I was really blown away when I seen not only was it Seattle, but it was also Detroit last night. And I did some digging, and I found out that the reason Detroit didn't broadcast the game last night is because the International Freedom Fireworks, a joint display by Detroit and Windsor, was going on last night. And it's usually not an issue because usually hockey is over by this point. But because of the lockout, hockey was pushed back later. And last night was fireworks. So apparently, the NBC affiliate thought that they would do a better rating. And they might be right. I have no idea. (laughs) They probably know their station and their their constituents better than I do. But the bottom line is that this affiliate in Detroit decided that they would do a better number by playing international fireworks display on television than one of the best cup finals in my lifetime. So... Look at That's all right, Detroit, if that's what you want to watch. And there's a, there's a side note here, too. Detroit is a CBC market. Okay? so oh, right. So NBC knows they're going to lose ratings to CBC. So that, I'm sure, is part of the discussion. And that isn't a negative on Detroit's Hockey Town because you could make an argument that CBC has a better yes, coverage, right. coverage. So that would make sense. But if you have direct T V in Detroit, you don't get CBC. Nope. So there was a lot of people, I bet, who just on their TV did not have the cup final yesterday, and that's not going to cut it for a city that calls themselves Hockey Town.
2: I like the tone of your trumpet. Come on, let spill some paint. Let's raise a glass of milk
3: to the end of another day.